was a priest whose name was Brother Charles de Foucauld. He was born in France in 1858. And I'd like to use his story to describe how somebody can love God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and then follow the second commandment as well, to love your neighbor as yourself. So when he was only six years old, both of his parents died, and he was raised by his grandfather. And his grandfather wanted to raise him in the faith. Unfortunately, uh, Brother Charles was not really wanting to do that. And so he constantly rebelled against his grandfather. And when his grandfather died, he had sent him to uh, a Jesuit school, a high school, and he left him with all the inheritance money, him and his sister. And he went to the high school, and this is what he said in his journal. He said, I live the way it is possible to live once that last spark of faith has been extinguished. I am bored to death. <laughs> Anybody ever feel like that in high school? <laughs> so from that moment on, he was bored to death with faith. He was bored to death re with religion. And he, from then on, called himself a free thinker. He was a proud free thinker. And he said, I was so free, so young, and there remained not a trace of faith in my soul. So he was so proud that there remained not a trace of faith in his soul. So parents and grandparents, this is just to give you some hope here. <laughs> After his grandfather passed away, he received this big allotment of money, a large inheritance, and even while he was in school, he began to live lavishly like the prodigal son. He enjoyed food, parties, women, expensive cigars, alcohol. And then he went to the army, and he made friends and enjoyed that lavish lifestyle, continued to live on because now he got to travel the world in the army. And he said about himself during that time, I was all egoism, all vanity, all impiety, all desire for evil. It was as if someone had gone a little mad. So he realized later in, in, in life when he looks back that it was all ego, it was all insanity and vanity, and that he was actually to the point of madness. This is what happens when we completely turn away from God. So he said, being young and full of enthusiastic, he was underdeveloped in character. And the, the military would write about him and say that um, they had found someone so unable to perform his duties that he should be released from the army. That didn't stop him, though. He stayed in the army. And it wasn't until he brought a mistress with him to service that he was actually finally thrown out of the army. <laughs> so he describes this time as well. He says, this was a time of profound malaise and of existential emptiness. And so that, con that um, complete removal and extinguishing of the faith left him with an existential <coughs> emptiness. Now his sister Marie steps in at this point. And she tells him to go see the, the priest, Father Huvelain, and to go to confession. Now, for some reason, Charles listened to her. So this could be a good thing for all of you. If you know somebody away from the church, just tell them to go to confession. He listened, and he went to confession, and he went in there to tell the priest why he didn't want to be in the confessional. And the priest said to him, I want you to kneel down right now and confess all your sins. For some reason, Brother Charles did it. He knelt down and he confessed all of his sins. And when he got done confessing his sins, Father asked him, he said, have you eaten yet today? And he said, no, why? And he said, because I want you to go to Mass right now and receive communion. 
So Charles expressed later that, that at that moment when he received communion, he experienced for the first time in his life an encounter with Christ. And he said it was like a man brought back from the dead. He said, the moment I realized that God existed, I knew that I could not do otherwise than to live for him alone. So at that moment when he felt God's presence in him at the, at the reception of communion, he knew that from then on, then on out, he couldn't do anything but live for God alone. He said, I should carry on in myself the life of Jesus. Think his thoughts, repeat his words, his actions. May it be that he lives in me. I think of this, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. So Charles had experienced this. He fell in love completely with God and he wanted to love him with all of his mind, all of his soul, and all of his strength. He would go on to be ordained a priest and guess who was at his first mass? His sister. <coughs> After that, he founded a, a religious community, and he desired to call them the Union of Brothers and Sisters of the Sacred Heart with a triple goal, to produce a return to the gospel in the lives of persons of all conditions, to produce growth of love for the Holy Eucharist, and to give an impetus towards the evangel evangelization of non-Christians. So he wanted people to have that same encounter that he had. That was his first goal. And secondly, he wanted people to grow in love for the Eucharist. And third, he wanted to reach out especially to, to those who are none of the Christian faith. So that's the first part, to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and prophets depend on these two commandments. Charles would go on to live as a hermit, and actually, towards the end of his life, he lived in a hermitage in the Holy Land because there were all these different people of all these different faiths, and he wanted to be there and evangelize to them. So there's still a little hermitage there in the Holy Land. I've been there where he lives. And uh, he, he dedicated himself from that point forward to not only love the poor, but to also evangelize to all faiths. We hear in the first reading... Thus says the Lord, you shall not molest or oppress an alien. You were once aliens yourselves in the land of Egypt. You shall not wrong any widow or orphan. So I want to shift into now loving your neighbor. My mother's mother, my grandma Markusik, was one of the holiest people that I've ever met, and that's probably where my mother gets it, and that's probably where I get it. She uh, truly lived a life of holiness. She, towards the end of her life, developed dementia and Alzheimer's. And um, at that point, she lived in an apartment after my grandfather died, and then she came to live with us. And my mother and her two sisters, who are both deceased, the three of them, grandma would live with each one of us for four months. And then she would go to each house for four months. And while she lived with us, she uh, had a stroke and lost her sight in one eye. And then uh, uh, sometime later, she had another stroke and lost the sight in the other eye. And so I would learn just to walk my grandmother around the house. I would hold her by the hands and walk behind her. 
And I really loved it because in, there were six of us kids, so I started doing laundry in like sixth grade. And um, my grandmother would do my laundry for me. So I'd go to the, laundry, to the downstairs, bring up the laundry, and put it in front of her. And she would take the laundry and, and fold it for me. I love that. And um, <laughs> after she went blind in both eyes, it got to be too difficult and confusing to move between the houses. So uh, she lived at a nursing home. And we would go see her very frequently. <laughs> And because she had Alzheimer's and dementia and was blind, she didn't really know she was in a nursing home. And that was actually kind of a beautiful gift. But it was interesting because when new residents would be brought to the nursing home and my grandmother would hear about it, she would say, oh, that must be another boarder. Bring him to me. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. But every, every, some, every time somebody came, she would say, that's, that's another boarder. I'll take care of him. Don't worry about it. He doesn't have to pay anything. He can stay with me. Well, I was talking to my mom about that, and I said, why, why did she call them boarders? And she said, well, back in the day when they grew up, my grandfather grew up in uh, Pennsylvania, and she was in West Virginia, Morgantown, right on the border there. And after they met and got married, they lived with my Uncle Frank, who had a, a deli store right at the corner, and they were boarders. They didn't have a place to live yet. They didn't have jobs yet, but when they got married, they moved in with Uncle Frank. He got them jobs. Half the kids worked at the, uh, the deli. Some worked at the coal mine. And then after my parents got their own house, they became boarders. And so anytime people came from, the, from, from Italy or from the country, um, Croatia, they would board them at the house. My grandmother would do room and board, cook for them, clean for them, find them jobs. And, uh, and, and she would do this. My mother said it was the strangest childhood growing up because there was always a stranger in one of the bedrooms. She never knew who was going to be there. <laughs> But I think about that to then love your neighbor as yourself. And I think it's so profound that at the end of her life, when she had dementia and Alzheimer's and was blind, that's what she remembered, being a boarder, that she would bring people in and help them. So all of us are called to love God with all of our minds, all of our souls, and all of our strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. What do we do if we don't find that in ourselves? So what do we do if, if we really say, I, I don't know if I love God with all my mind, all my heart, all my soul. What do we do? Well, I think we do what Brother Charles Foucault did. I think we encounter him in confession and then receive him in the Eucharist. There's no more powerful way to do that than to be completely forgiven of sins and then to receive him here at the altar. And then maybe we can say, as Brother Charles said, that my heart is so full with love that everything I do from now on, I want to live for Christ. And I believe that that love transfers over into service. You guys remember the definition of the purpose of life from the Baltimore Catechism? What's the purpose of life? To know, love, and serve God, and to be with him in this life. To know, love, and serve God in this life and to be with him in the next. So I believe there's a flow of that, that we come to know God, that we fall in love with him, and then out of that we want to give ourselves in service to him. <coughs> I want to end with this prayer of Charles de Foucault, which is the most uh, known prayer that he, he has. And I think it covers this knowing, loving God, falling in love with him with our heart, mind, and soul, and our neighbor as ourselves. So I'd like you to pray this with me silently. If you just feel, uh, if you just want to close your eyes, 
I'm going to say this prayer and give you a little silence between each one to really ask God for this grace. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. 